Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. the mad that you feel, with the sadness, with the stress, with the anger, the fear that you feel. You've spoken to it this morning. It's been quite the week in our community, and I'm not trying to minimize anything else that might be going on in your individual lives and certainly around the world, but certainly when it hits close to home, it gets a little bit more real, doesn't it? And so with everything that's been going on, certainly, as I know, I'm sure we all are... um, I'm just heartbroken. And I think it's okay to sit in that for a moment and not rush to answers or judgments or political debates. Can we have some love and compassion in our hearts this morning not to quick, so quickly turn this into a political debate? There are important conversations to be had, but there are families that are grieving and mourning. Can we be known as Christians by our love this morning? Can we do that? Can we sit and, and, and mourn? Amen? Um, I don't know about you, but I, one of the first things that went to my, through my mind, and I hate this, is another one. And I don't know about you, but I never want to become numb to it. Because when we become numb to the things that God's heart breaks for, we cease to be people after God's own heart. We cease to be a church after God's own heart. I don't want to become numb to it because the loss of life or hatred or violence inflicted on any of God's kids anywhere breaks the heart of God. Amen? And it doesn't matter if they're in our own backyard or on the other side of the world. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. When you're going through something, it's actually then that God could not be more close. God's heart breaks for his kids, particularly students, kids, whether they are from the Middle East, which tens and thousands of lives have been lost, and we can't miss that just because something's not reported on the news as much doesn't mean it doesn't matter as much to God. Whether they're from the Middle East or from Perry, Iowa, or they're the kids that we just dismissed that are learning in our Hope Elam Kids ministry right now. Every single child matters to God. Every single person matters to God because they are made in the image of God regardless of the color or skin or what country they were born in. Amen? And so our hearts break. Our hearts break and we don't want to become numb to it. And so our prayer is, God, break our hearts for the things that break yours. I just started to cry over here during worship, and like, there's that still, that, that tiny part of me that's like, why am I crying? I'm the pastor. I got to pull it together. I despise it when people apologize for crying, because that's the very thing that God wants to do in you in that moment. And tears, men, can I speak to you for a moment? Tears, particularly, are a sign that you have a soul, that you have a heart, and that your heart feels things, and that's what it means to be human, okay? So don't apologize for that. 
But I think it's really important in times of tragedy that we kind of turn our hearts when nothing else will do and we don't have the words to speak that we go to God's word and we look at how Jesus himself responded to tragedy. In the Gospel of John in chapter 11, one of Jesus' close friends, Lazarus, in his humanness, Jesus had friends like you and I do. And one of his close friends, Lazarus, has died. He's been in the tomb for a few days and he's also close with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And so Jesus arrives on the scene, and it is a scene kind of like today, kind of like central Iowa this last week, full of sadness and grief and mourning and pain and weeping and fear and all of this. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and he is God with all power and authority in his hands, and he can do anything, and he can snap his fingers, and he could have had Lazarus come out right there and then. We'll get to that when he ruins the funeral in a little bit. But for the moment, but for the moment, I don't want you to miss this. One of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. And sometimes we just need to hear it in a different way. God cried. Where is God, people say, at times like this? Where is God in moments of tragedy and pain and hurt and death and grief right in the middle of it weeping with us? Amen? Right in the middle of it. He is with us. And so our prayer is, God, break our hearts similar to the way that your heart was broken. Don't miss that this morning, that the presence of pain does not equal the absence of God. Man, if we could believe that deep down in our being, that would change things, wouldn't it? The presence of pain does not equal the absence of God, particularly that exact opposite. He could not be any more close. And so we mourn and we grieve this morning and then we do exactly what Mary and Martha do in the story. They come running to Jesus. They wrap their arms around. They bring their hurt and their pain. They turn to Jesus and they pray. And we turn to God this morning and we pray. Not as a cop-out, but we pray because prayer is powerful. We pray not as an excuse for not doing anything else, but we pray because we remember the one that we're praying to who is the most powerful being in the entire universe. And we don't negate prayer. We don't shove it to the side. We don't, I don't, I hear that phrase and I get it. Thoughts and prayers can feel empty if you don't think and pray. And I don't know what sending thoughts means. I'm still trying to figure that one out, but I'm pretty sure I know what prayer means. And it's turning to the most powerful being in the universe that has the power to change the trajectory of this world, to change hearts and change lives. Amen? So we don't negate prayer. We don't push it aside. And here's something that's powerful that happens when we pray, when we turn to God's word. Prayer actually starts changing us. And when prayer changes us, we become people of action. And followers of Jesus and Christians are the most action-oriented people in this world. Or we should be. There is no false dichotomy between prayer and action. We become people of action and our hearts break for the things that God's heart breaks for. And we become known as the most loving people in the world. We seek justice. We stand up to hatred and bullying wherever we see it. We check on our friends that seem like they're okay, we check on our friends and we reach out to those that are struggling with their mental health. We reach out. We love those that maybe seem like they don't need it, but they're silently suffering. We also speak truth to those in power. And as a church, we show up to serve and mentor and listen to our students. And whether you're hearing me delayed or online or wherever you're at or you're here in the room or you have students at home, we love 
kids. Students, we love you this morning. We love our schools. That's why we like to serve our schools on a regular basis. Christians show up. We are people of action. This is what it means to be the church. And Hope Elam, in every single thing that we do, let's be known for our love. Amen? Let's wrap it all in love. Let's be known for our love. Okay? And when we do that, we start to look like Jesus. We look more and more like Jesus. We start to look like a church, like people after God's own heart. And that happens to be our brand new theme for all of 2024, a church after God's own heart. Sometimes, even in the face of tragedy, we can step up and step into what that means. If you remember last year in 2023, our theme was the whole Holy Bible in a year. And if you read through the entire Bible, congratulations. Awesome. Way to go. Do it again uh, in 2024. We're not done with that. We're going to keep reading it. And if you didn't make it all the way through, that's okay. But we had three goals to read it, to learn it, and to live it. And this year in 2024, we're going to focus on that third part, the live it the live it part. What would it look like if we didn't just read God's word? Because after all, the goal is not just to get through the word, but to let the word get through us. Amen. We want to be transformed by it. The goal is not just to read the Bible for reading its sake, to check it off your list or to feel better about yourself. The goal is to become a different kind of person that looks more and more like the character and the nature of God. And we, as we all do that together, we become a church after God's own heart. What would it look like to be the kind of people that are so passionate about the word of God and how much time we spend in the word of God that we start to reflect the character of God that we see in these stories? Amen? When we do that, we become a church after God's own heart. The book of Acts is reflecting on the story of when David is a young boy and he's chosen as king. And David's father, you know, says, oh, I've got some other boys and these are kind of my all-state ones. And these are, you know, first-round draft picks. These are probably the ones that you want to be king. But not little David that's out there, the shepherd boy. And what does God say? No, that's my boy. That's my man. Because I see something in his heart that reflects my heart. Oh, that that would be true of us as well. That in the same way that we would be a church in 2024 after God's own heart. The church that we read about in here, messed up. (laughs) But also, I want to propose to you this morning, radical. The church that that we read about in here is a church that is radical with all of its flaws and imperfections and I believe that that's what we're called to be as well. What I want to propose to you this morning is that we are called to be a church of radical hope, of radical mission, and of radical response. And that maybe, amen, and that maybe, and that maybe, just maybe, what our hurting, broken, messed up world needs is for the church to step up and into its destiny. For the church of God, for the local church to step into its calling as a church after God's own heart. And I believe that when we do that, the church will become a group of people of irresistible influence. We talk about being a lighthouse all the time as our vision as the church. What would it look like to have people be drawn to it simply because they can't find those things anywhere else? People are longing for hope. Number one, radical hope. Everybody say hope. 
Oh, say it like you mean it. Say hope. hope. Radical hope. Good job. Wow, you guys are awake this morning. That's awesome. Back to John 11. God cries. God is a God of compassion. And he meets us there. Whatever you need this morning, he meets us there. He's also a God of hope. And Jesus says a pretty scandalous statement at a funeral. He hasn't died and rose again yet, but he's prophesying into the future of his own death and resurrection. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live. Jesus always gets the last word. Amen? Because Jesus has defeated death. And that means that school shootings do not get the last word. Death is not the end of the story. Amen? Jesus, Jesus gets to write the end of the story. Death is not the end of the story. Hatred, violence, bullying, racism, cancer, COVID, world wars are not the end of the story because Jesus has defeated death. Jesus has defeated the worst thing. Whatever you're going through this morning, there is no ditch that is too deep that Jesus is not willing to climb in with you, meet you there, and pull you out. Amen? Wherever you find yourself, There is no ditch too deep that Jesus can't meet you there. Radical hope is what we need. There is always hope with Jesus. Never give up on the God that always keeps his promises. Never give up on God. He will never give up on you. I love, this is what I love about the book of Psalms. When we don't have the words, scripture even says, when I don't know what to pray, that the Spirit intercedes for us and we can pray. If you need help praying, just make the book of Psalms your prayer. And this is what I love about the Psalms, is that particularly the Psalms of lament. Essentially what lament is, is letting God have it and not losing your faith. That's what the book of Psalms is. What the book of Psalms particularly lament in Scripture, that genre of Scripture allows us to do, is shake our fists in anger and disbelief at God in one hand and keep our hand open knowing that ultimate hope is found in Jesus in the other hand. And we can do that. Essentially, if you go to the next slide, this is a psalm of lament, Psalm verse 42. Let's read it together. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You see the clenched fist and the open fist? What does that mean? On weeks like this in central Iowa and everywhere else in the world, Christians are the only ones that can grieve with hope. Nobody else can do that. And in a world that says you have to pick one or the other, you have to have just blind optimism and willy-nilly wishful thinking, or you're crushed. Jesus says you don't have to choose. You can feel crushed but not be destroyed. You can feel like you're down in that ditch, but you're not beyond the reach of God. You don't have to lose your hope in the middle of it. You can still worship I don't know about you, but there are some Sundays when I walk in here and depending on what's going on in my life or what I've been walking alongside other people, it's been a heavy week, not just with that happened to Perry, but in a lot of your lives. I walk in here, I don't always feel like worshiping. Is anybody with me? You can admit it. I'm raising my hand, okay? 
we still do it, right? Because we worship, not because our lives are all good, but because he is good. And that is the point of worship. Amen? And when, here's, this isn't the sermon I was expecting to give this week, so just hang with me. When we worship in the middle of our pain, it's like knocking holes in the darkness. Because the enemy is like, why is there a full house today? Shouldn't you all be at home grieving and isolated and wringing your hands at the state of the world? The last thing that you would think of when the world looks at a situation like this, why would we raise our hands and worship? Because something powerful happens when we worship in the face of death and in and through our pain. God starts to heal us. I know the kids are gone now, so I can say this. Worship that hurts like hell heals like heaven. Some of you think that worship only makes sense if I've had a good week. It does. It always makes sense. But whenever you walk in here and you don't feel like it, or you're in your own living room, or you don't feel like spending time with God, or you don't feel like praying, or you don't feel like serving, or you don't feel like being at the church, know that God can meet you right there in the middle of it, in the middle of worship. That's why we come. That's why we gather as a community. God meets you right there. A church of radical hope. What if, what if being the local church wasn't about having every single answer or trying to make up answers for things that there are none? What if being the church was the safest place in the world for people that are lost? What if the first thing that went through our minds, whether you are a part of the church or for people that want nothing to do with the church, what if we flip the whole system on its head and if you're lost or you're hurting or you're broken or you're grieving or you're overwhelmed or you lost your job or you know how you're going to pay your next bills or you're getting divorced or whatever it is, what if the first thing that went through our mind is, I got to get to the church because I got to meet with God. Now he's everywhere, but I got to get to church i got to meet with God. I'm going to worship through my pain. I'm going to keep showing up because God's never going to stop showing up for me. What if that was the first thing that went through our heads? What if the first thing that, that people did is, i, I got to get to church, and when they came here, they were so loved and so accepted, and yet God doesn't leave us there. He refuses to leave us where he finds us, and here we experience a hope that the world can't give. What if what set us apart as Christians is not that we're better than everybody else, but that when people look at our lives, they say, how in the world can you have joy in the middle of chaos? How can you have peace when everybody else is freaking out? That's what matters. That's what distinguishes. And then we can say, well, let me tell you, a church after God's own heart is a church of radical Hope, And I say radical because it's a different kind of hope than you can get anywhere else. It's not optimism. It's not positive thinking. It is tied to a person, and his name is Jesus. Amen? We want to be a church of radical hope. And secondly, we want to be a church of radical mission. Everybody say mission. Because we got a mission. It's at weeks like this that I'm reminded what we're doing as a church matters. It matters. We're not playing church. We're not showing up for an event once a week for an hour. We're not consuming a sermon. We're called to be the church, a church of radical mission. 
And as we started three years ago and as we continue to grow as a church, inevitably when you're a new church, people are coming in going, so what's Hope Elam all about? What, what, what is going on? And, and one of the things we love about Hope Elam is the diversity in a lot of different ways. And because of that, every single one of us this morning walked in here with a story. Whether you've had a great experience with church or there's some church hurt and some baggage there. And because of that, you have an idea and a perception of what the church is, rightly or wrongly. And because of the diversity of ideas and opinions, it's important that we go back to the source to figure out what does it mean to be a church of radical mission. And to do that, look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 19. I want to look at this little story towards the end of Jesus' ministry. To set the context, Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, but his followers don't know that. And so his followers are all together, huddled up in fear and grief. It's too bad we can't uh, relate with the word of God at all. All of his followers were huddled together, gathered up in fear and stress and grief. And we pick up the story in verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. Skip ahead a little bit. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. I love that. Jesus can, I guess, walk through walls, I guess. He's like Superman. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. Skip ahead to verse 22. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe in this little short passage, there is no official church yet. That terminology has not come to happen in Scripture yet. In this little passage, we get a glimpse of the DNA of the heart of what the church is about. It's three things. Followers of Jesus. They were disciples. His disciples were gathered. They weren't consumers. They were disciples. They were reorienting every part of their life around Jesus. So we have followers of Jesus. And what happens? Jesus said, I'm sending you. The first thing that Jesus does, he says, I'm sending you. Right after his compassion meets us in our grief, he says, I've got a purpose for you. You can't sit here. You can't wring your hands at the state of the world. Get moving, church. Get going. It's time to be the church, as we say every week. Followers of Jesus sent on a mission, and lastly, filled with the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. That's it. Those three things, that's all we see. Notice, no church buildings, no denominations, No worship styles. No dress code. Followers of Jesus sent on a mission filled with the Holy Spirit. A group of people on a mission for God. You won't forget this. Just think Blues Brothers, all right? Ma'am, my best Chicago accent, we're on a mission from God. Turn to the person next to you in your best Chicago accent and say, we're on a mission from God. Tell them that right now. We're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. The church is you. The church is you is what Jesus is saying. Even before the church has been birthed, I'm sending you. You are people. The church is people on a mission. Think about it this way. This is the audience participation part of the story. Everybody take your hands out, okay? Interlock your fingers so that your fingers are inside and down, right? If you grew up in the church, and even if you didn't, maybe you've heard this, right? Remember? Here's the church. Here's the steeple, open the doors, see all the people. Now, I'm weird. I'm a pastor's kid, and I learned this part. Close the doors, let them pray. Open the doors, they all ran away. I have no idea. 
That makes zero sense. I had a terrible childhood. I don't know what happened, okay? But I say all of that to say this. I think your Sunday school teacher lied to you. Because this is not the church. Yes, we might have a steeple, but this building is not the church. You are the church, the people of God on a mission. Amen? You are the church. And if ever there was a time for the church to be the church, it's now what the world doesn't need more of is big buildings. What the world needs more of is the church to step in and up into its calling. Amen? You are the church, and every single time that you walk out those doors, whenever you come in and whenever you go out, the church leaves the building. Now, some of you might say, Pastor John, it's just words. It's just semantics. Why can't we say I'm going to church instead of going to worship? Because you are the church. It's not just semantics. It's not just words. I actually think (laughs) lives hang in the balance. It's the matter of life and death. You've heard it a thousand times. Go to the next slide, John 3.16. You know John 3.16. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Don't forget about verse 17. John 3.17 is like the middle child in a family. Everybody just forgets about him, right? But they got something to say. Middle child, okay. Verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to do what? To save the world. Apparently, God is on a rescue mission. And if we're going to be a church after God's own heart, what should the church be? A rescue mission. A place of radical mission. Anything but a country club. A rescue mission that goes out and rescues people. It reminds me of a film that came out last year, and I've shown this to uh, some of you before. You might recognize it's a film called The Jesus Revolution. And it takes place in the seven days during the Jesus movement. How many of you were a part of the, a hippie? And, no, you don't have to measure. That's okay. Some of you are like, I had much longer hair at one point. So did I, okay? But back in the 70s, there was this move of God among young adults, college students, I think he wants to do that again, by the way. And there's this move of God, and Pastor Chuck Smith is in Southern California, and he's got a church that is really good at maintenance. He's got a church full of people that say, well, why can't we do anything new? Because we've never done it that way before. Death sentence for a church. Why can't we do that? Because we don't, do, we don't want to mess up the status quo. No, you're a rescue mission. And in this scene, you're going to see Pastor Chuck wrestle with, should we continue to be a country club just to make everybody happy and comfortable? Is that the goal of church? Because all of these Jesus people, these young people, are coming into our church and they don't look like us and act like us and worship like we do and smell like we do and some of them don't have shoes and they're weird looking and they have long hair. Are we going to be a country club or are we going to be a rescue mission? Take a look. What is going on? Just that right over there on that towel. And there's other one here. There we go. Yeah. Baptize these feet in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There you go. Uh, welcome to church. <laughs> Hello, you. Let's have that foot, please. This is terrific. 
Okay. Place them both on that towel and then step on into church. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, young lady. How are you? Let's have this foot. Let's have that other foot. <laughs> go sit next to that fella in the cantaloupe jacket. <laughs> Good to see you. Thank Enjoy. You. Welcome to church. Thank you. Hello, young lady. Well, last year, I had the privilege of visiting uh, New York City. And like any good tourist, I paid a visit to the Statue of Liberty, and I read those famous words. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. And as I read those words, I thought, well, that's Christianity, isn't it? It's the essence of it. An invitation to the broken. Jesus was very friendly with the outcasts. In Revelation 22, it says, let the one who can hear say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires Take the waters of life freely. This place, it is yours. If you feel like you're misunderstood and judged, this is where you belong. If you feel ashamed or trapped in something you've done or are doing, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. Yeah, you can clap for that. Amen. Maybe there's somebody this morning that needs to hear this exact same thing, not from Kelsey Grammer, but from God. If you're here this morning and you feel like you've been misunderstood or judged, or church is the last place that you could belong, or you've made a mistake or something's ha- you've done or something's happened to you, if you're hurting and you're broken, You can find healing and forgiveness and freedom in Jesus and only in Jesus. If you're wondering, if you're new or maybe you've been coming for a while and you kind of want Hope Elam to be something that you want it to be, that's who God's making us. A place of radical mission. Not a perfect church. Not a church that maybe fits with every one of your preferences or styles or mine, but a church of radical mission because there is something way more important. Our world is in need of hope. And because our world is in need of hope, he's chosen the broken and perfect vessel called the church to be a place of radical mission to bring it to people, to share it with people. That's what our scripture reading is about today. In Romans chapter 10, Paul writes this. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they've heard about him? 
How can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful, quoting the prophet Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. We have good news to share. Say good news. We've got good news, the best news in the world to share. And I don't know where we get this twisted up in our minds, but as I read God's word, faith is a very personal thing, but it was never meant to be private. When we've got good news to share, why would we keep it to ourselves? And when I read that passage, I read this. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? There is no such thing as an unsent Christian. We say, oh, you're a missionary and I'm just a normal Christian. I don't read that anywhere in God's word. Every single follower of Jesus is a missionary. Every single follower of Jesus has been sent. The call of Jesus today is to go. Where are your feet moving? Where are your feet taking you? Are you sharing the good news? I was thinking about it this week. In a world of social media, think about this for a second. We have no problem sharing lots of things and some things we probably don't need to be sharing on social media, right? We have no problem sharing good news because it comes very natural to us. It used to be on the back page of the newspaper, but now it's on Facebook and Instagram or TikTok or wherever you want to put it, right? We got married. We're engaged. I'm dating this person. We had a baby. I got a new job. I lost my job. We're struggling with this. I'm going through that. I got up this morning. (laughs) Great. Thank you for sharing that news. And yet we don't often share the greatest news the world has ever known. That there is hope in Jesus, only in him. What is holding you back from sharing the good news? I hear people say sometimes, well, that's not really my thing. I'm going to leave evangelism, which comes from the Greek word ewangelion, which literally means good news. It's where we get the word evangelism or evangelical, which is so sad that that word has been hijacked by the political establishment. It's so much bigger and deeper and truer than that. It is not about a man-made political system. It is about the greatest news in the history of the world, about the king of kings and lord of lords. It matters who you vote for, but it really matters who your king is. Amen? Whether you have the good news of Jesus Christ in your heart, okay? Don't get that mixed up. It's the good news. Who are you sharing the good news with? Where are your feet going? Some people say, well, why, Pastor John, why should I share my faith? Why should I tell others? And this is normally my response. Who told you? Because chances are you are sitting here today because at some point, whether it was 50 years ago or yesterday, somebody reached out to you and literally or figuratively put their arm around you and said, let's go to worship. Let's go to that imperfect church at 25th and University. Let's go and meet God there. Let's go to Alpha together. Let's take that new class on Wednesday nights together. Let's meet for a hot meal on community night together. Let's go to youth group together. Let's bring our kids to Hope Elam Kids together. Let's go together. Sometimes the first step is inviting somebody to, to know Jesus is inviting them into your life first so that they know that you care about them, that they're a person to love and not a project to fix. Let's be known for our love. In fact, We're starting out this new series today, and you're going to hear much more about it in the next few weeks. It's called 10 for 10. Four years ago in 2020, God laid this 10 for 10 vision, 10 big audacious goals for the next 10 years, from 2020 to 2030, at all of our campuses as a church. And you want to know what the first goal is? To share the gospel, the good news, with 10 million 
people. Some of you are like, you have lost your minds. Maybe, but we're just trying to do the Bible. We're just trying to read the Bible and actually do it, and believe it or not, we're well on our way. This is, you peel back the layer of why we are the way we are as a church. This is why we do what we do. This is why we reach out in all the different ways that we do to share the love of God with as many people as humanly possible. This is why we have a transportation ministry that reaches out and brings people to worship so that you can be a part of what God's doing here, even if you have struggles with your transportation. This is why we reach out to kids and students of all ages, why we do special events and VBS and Hope Elam Kids that's going on right now. Get this, last year, just those outreach events to our community, of which half those kids do not belong to this church, over 650 kids kids heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So praise God for that, okay? You can keep clapping if you want because they're just going to keep coming, okay? So this is why we do community night. Maybe God's call to you to come to the meal to community night on Wednesday night has nothing to do with whether you need a meal or not, and it has to do with your presence of who you're going to invite and that God is going to use you in that moment. This is why we share the love of God through a hot meal with those that need it or that don't need it because there's no us and them in the kingdom of God. It's just us. And this last year, over 44,000 meals were served to this community through community night. So praise God for that, right? This is why we do what we do. This is why we show up for our students and student ministry every single week, why we have programming and ministry specifically designed to them. Because if ever there was a week where we know the importance of loving and serving and listening to our kids and investing in them and letting them know that God loves them, they've got to get that here because if they don't hear it from us, they're certainly not going to get it from the world. And when they hear all those voices of the bullies and the negative thoughts that run through their head, how are they going to know that God loves them unless we tell them? How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news? This is why we do everything that we do. By the way, you may not know this, but there's hundreds of people worshiping online with us right now, and we're so glad that you're with us. And through all, this is why we've stepped up our digital outreach, whether it's our social media and, and, and putting God's word out on that or the live stream on YouTube every single week. Get this. I'm talking about hearing the gospel, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Just last year, over 450,000 people were touched by digital ministry through Hope Elam. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Praise God for our awesome communications team. They do a fantastic job with that. This is why we do everything that we do, and we're not going to stop. 2024, we're going to move outside of these walls even more. We're going to get to know our neighbors. We're going to walk through these neighborhoods, and we're going to serve our city even more so. It's why we do what we do. A church of radical hope. A church of radical mission. And finally, a church of radical response. Because you can't give away what you don't have. A church of radical response. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to land today. It's the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit has come and fallen on God's people. And Peter gets up and he starts to preach. And he preaches for about 30 minutes because everybody's ready for breakfast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and he just goes with it. And he lets the Spirit lead. And we read this in verse 37. So Peter just gets up and lays out the gospel, the good news. Jesus is alive. Spirit's available to everybody. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? 
Have you ever heard something so beautiful or so powerful that you simply had to respond immediately? There was no, um, maybe I'll get to it. Uh, I've got to run to my next thing. I'm meeting some people for lunch, Peter, or not even like Peter. Great word this morning. I got to run. What should we do? What, what, what should the re- response be? And this is what Peter says in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Repent, meaning if your life is headed this direction, if Jesus is over there and you're going away from Jesus today, turn around. Repent. Metanoia. Change your thinking. Turn around. Turn away from your sins and turn back to God. Follow him with everything that you've got here in this passage and throughout the New Testament. Coming to faith and being baptized were always linked up. They were inseparable. So people, when when they say, well, why would I be baptized? My, My not snarky response, but my straightforward response is, why not? Why would you not want to receive the gift that God has for you this morning of his love, his grace, his forgiveness, and him pouring his Holy Spirit into your life? Baptism is way more than a symbol. It is us literally joining ourselves with Jesus, participating in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of different methods to baptism, but the message is the same, whether you're getting dunked or the old scoop and pour. It doesn't matter. The promises of God hold true because it's not about the method, it's about the message. Followers of Jesus go all in. We're a church of radical response. We see that in Acts 2. We see that during the Jesus movement in the film as well. At the end of the movie, Jesus Revolution, there's a young man named Greg, who is Greg Laurie, who is not only a pastor, but has led crusades, evangelism crusades, all over the world. And through his ministry, God has saved hundreds and thousands of people. This young man that had chased after everything that the world had to give. And God turned him around and met him in the waters of baptism. Everything for Greg was about to change. Take a look. Why is it gonna prove? It's right, it's just water. It's why are you freaking out? I'm not freaking out. I'm not freaking out. Okay, I'm freaking out a little bit. Hi. Greg, right? Yeah. I've been praying for this moment since I first met you. Have you decided? Uh, um, uh, I don't know. You want to decide right now? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. You are the savior of the world. You are the savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my life. I repent for my sins. I repent for all my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and friend. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Greg, I 
baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Alive. How do you feel? When's the last time you truly felt that? I'm alive. I'm moving from death to life. And the good news for you, for all of us this morning, we don't have to just watch it. You can have that. You can not just feel alive. You can be alive. And so, I don't know exactly how this is going to work, but we're going to do it. And Pastor Brian and I are going to be up here when we stand and sing our final song in a little bit. We're just going to invite anybody to come up. Whether you've never been baptized before or you have been baptized in the past and you want to affirm your baptism to come on up and be baptized right here, right now, as a church of radical response. Notice I said, affirm your baptism. I didn't say redo. If it happened, it took. God did it, and God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? Okay? But sometimes we need to be reminded. And so I'm going to invite up those that are helping with the baptisms, and we're going to be up here. I just want to share a couple things uh, with you. Uh, nobody's going to get dunked, so you didn't need to bring your swimming suit today. It, again, it's not the method. It's the message. We're just going to scoop some water over your head. It's nothing weird. It's nothing magical, just you encountering the love of God. And so we're going to sing, and, and we're going to do that together, and then we're going to have some folks that want to connect with you and get to know you and help you on this journey uh, as well. And so let me just say this. If you've never been baptized before, today is the day, God's word says, today is the day of salvation. And even if you have and you need a fresh start, if your faith is empty today, come. If you're lost, come. If you're hurting, come. If you're grieving, come. If you need a fresh start in 2024 and want to start by meeting Jesus in the waters of baptism, come. If you don't know which way to turn and you're looking for hope and purpose in your life, come. If you've messed up and you think that you've screwed up way too bad for God to love you, come and experience the depth and the breadth of his grace and his forgiveness for you this morning. Every single person is welcome today. And even if you don't come, this would be my encouragement to you. One of the things I love about that scene is just the group of people that's on the shoreline cheering along. Oh, that we would be the kind of church that celebrates the things that matter. And this matters. Nothing is more important than this. Not even breakfast. It'll be there. It's not going anywhere. 
So stay. Cheer on your brothers and sisters. Go crazy. Welcome them into the kingdom of God. Pray for them. And if it's one or two or 20 or whatever it is, cheer for every single person, even as you worship. And we're going to praise and we're going to worship and we're going to baptize right in the middle of our pain, right in the middle of hurt and suffering. Today is the day of salvation. And we would love to connect with you. And again, we are going to be here as long as we, I don't care what time the 11 o'clock service starts. If you want to come, if you're up in the balcony, come and receive the gift that God has for you today. Amen? Amen. So here's what you're going to do. I'm going to invite you to stand wherever you are. The band's going to come out. We're going to sing about the foundation that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we sing, and long after we're done singing, come on up and receive the gift of baptism. God loves you, Hope Elam. much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.